You live in a gated community. It's called a gated community. In the gay community. I just want us to have an open conversation, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, anybody. I want this to be a safe space for everyone. Racism is alive and well in the gay community. The gay community. Gay community as us as a trans community. Who is having that conversation? What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Gated Community Podcast. As always, I do really appreciate you for listening tonight. Um, I'm not going to hold you too long. Tonight we're talking about dating and I wanted to illustrate to you what that looks like for me, my experience, what it looks like dating in Atlanta, what it looks like versus dating in Los Angeles, the juxtaposition between the two, the similarities and the differences. Um, so yeah, this should be interesting. No, it will be interesting. So interesting that you will want to share this with a friend or, uh, Someone besides yourself, someone that you love or someone that you love, or maybe you got a little crush situation going on and you want to, you might hear something that speaks to you that you want to share with that dude who pictures you be liking on Instagram or that girl that, you know, that girl who DMs you be flooding. Yeah. Her, um, send it to her. Uh, that's how interesting this will be. And I will sincerely appreciate you for doing so when you do that. Cause I know you're going to do it right. It's already done. Hope you enjoy. Let's get into it and share this episode. Look at me doing ASMR. ASMR channel coming soon. <laughs> it seems like feelings change when seasons change. The cooler the climate, the hotter the romance. But listen, proceed with caution. Don't let him trick you into a seasonal situationship. Now's the time of year when fuckboys emerge in heavy rotation, scouting for a person of faux interest to engage in a Christmas gift exchange, a New Year's Eve kiss, and a Valentine's dinner date. Then he'll ghost you by Mardi Gras. It's a trap, y'all. Stay woke. Am I the only person that talks to himself? No. I'm not. Okay, good. I just don't want to, like, I don't want anybody to think that I'm crazy for saying what I'm about to say. So listen, I was in here just like talking to myself the other day. And I was just thinking, like, I used to have a very active, healthy, and fun dating life once upon a time, not long ago. Well, actually, it was a very long time ago. The goal was always to achieve longevity. And the objective was to reach that achievement with exclusivity. I still value these practices, but it's hard. Well, I won't say hard. Instead, I'll say... It's been a challenge to have compatibility with people who are more into open relationships rather than conventional bonds that are designed for a party of two. And I don't judge. I'm quietly judging you. But for the record, if your relationship is open, then it's pretty obvious that your heart is closed. We live in a world where everyone has access to virtually everyone. A microwave culture where attraction is trumped by even more attraction and trust is synonymous with emotional suicide. It's easier to engage in open relationships because everyone gets to have their cake and eat it too, pun intended. And you don't have to be held accountable for human decency as long as you play by the rules. It's safer to push this cavalier narrative that the grass is greener and more alive on the open side. Hashtag fake news. Although there's no formula for the perfect relationship or eternal happiness. But just know that polygamy ain't it. Know that including you, one more than two is covetous and selfish. Believe in yourself enough to feel that. Respect yourself enough not to settle for less, masking is more. Also, friends with benefits plus one is not a traditional relationship. It's comical chaos. For those of you who push this idea, stop trying to redefine monogamy, please. Some people are settling down. Some people are settling. And some people refuse to settle. 
Sex and dating seem to be a package deal these days. And along with dating, my sex life has also become null and void since moving to L.A. Living in Atlanta provided me with a lifestyle of companionship, romanticism, and sexual liberation. The vibe is just different. I would get approached in grocery stores like Publix, at stoplights while driving my car on Ponce de Leon. Hey, bro, roll down the window. Let me get your name and number before the light turns green. I remember once I went to get takeout from one of my favorite spots on Peachtree Street named Fresh to Order. When I walked inside out of my peripheral, I saw this guy seated at a table alone enjoying his meal and apparently enjoying his view. From what I could see, he was handsome, but I didn't pay much attention. I ordered my salad and waited for my number to be called that let me know that my order was ready. I sat around for about 10 minutes. I grabbed my order and prepared to leave. So as I was approaching the door, I hear this deep baritone voice say, excuse me, may I speak to you for a minute? There weren't many of us in the restaurant, well, in our vicinity anyway, but I didn't want to assume that he was speaking to me. So I continued my path. I reached to touch the door and push it open. And he exclaims, yo, you in the red hat, come here. So I'm thinking to myself, this man cannot be talking to me. Not with him looking the way he looking. A whole meal. Yeah, like picture Amir Abdullah of the Carolina Panthers, formerly the Minnesota Vikings. These two bear a striking resemblance, uncanny. So at this point, I turn around to look at him just to make sure I'm not the one that he's catcalling. Turns out I was wrong. We lock eyes and he waves me over to his table. I'm like, what's up? He says the same. I'm like, do I know you? He's like, no, not yet. Have a seat. Let me talk to you for a minute. I'm thinking to myself. That's suspicious. That's weird. But I sit and I chat with him anyway because, well, because I'm sitting across from Amir Abdullah's doppelganger, bitch. He compliments me and asks me for my name and where I'm headed. I answer with honesty. He suggests that I remove my salad from my to-go bag and have dinner with him. I decline and tell him that I had somewhere to be with no time to spare. After a brief conversation, he insisted on giving me his number with the idea of connecting sooner than later. I suggested that we exchange numbers. He complied. 30 minutes later, I got a text from him asking to hang out. And we did. Several times. <laughs> you fucked up, didn't you? You ain't slick. You can't keep that kind of shit from me. <laughs> I can't believe you fucked him on the first date. How? Slick Girl, I didn't. I didn't plan to. It just sort of happened. He just sort of slipped and fell on his dick. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right. So I want to know. All the details, how big, how long, everything. Oh, look at you. Well, unfortunately, I have to live vicariously through your sex life, Miss Nina. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. I, ca I can't even describe it because it, it was like, it was like his dick just talked to me. What did it say? Just. Don't even, don't even get all geeked up because this is nothing serious. This is no love thing. Me and Darius, we are just kicking it. In Atlanta, it was easy. It was natural. It was fun. It was spontaneous. It was, and it was periodic, even cyclical. 
I have dozens of stories of the same nature because it was the norm. Just like how guys pick up girls in public, guys do the same with guys in Atlanta. Then there's Los Angeles. Dating in LA, I think I had more fun with my imaginary friend as a kid. The imaginary friend was also more realistic than any dating scenario that I had here. Well, also, men don't approach you in LA. 100% no. Especially when you're pretty, too. They're like, uh, no. Yeah, and being plus size is like a whole nother yes. thing. Yes. Oh my God, girl. So I don't that's I know. Why it. I feel like I only been like on jobs yeah. or online. Okay. So, I mean, I I would go out with my friends quite often. And the entire time I've lived in LA, I've had definitely less than 10 men approach me. Forming a blanket statement that suggests all guys to be self-absorbed narcissists with hollow personalities wouldn't be fair, obviously because I haven't dated every guy in L.A., but it also wouldn't be far-fetched. There's a bit of racism in the gay community here, and I've experienced a ton of ghosting, which only solidifies the spineless character of those with whom I've crossed paths. It's difficult for me to achieve a like life with guys in this city. And sometimes I feel like to expect a love life, for me, that's emotionally irresponsible. You can have the guts and the courtesy to tell a woman to her face that you no longer want to see her. Call me crazy, but I think that you can make a point of ending your relationship in a manner that does not include an email, a doorman, or a missing persons report. I think you could all get over your fear of looking like the bad guy and actually have the uncomfortable breakup conversation because here's what, avoiding that is what makes you the bad guy. Ghosting. The act of suddenly ceasing all communication with someone a person is dating, but no longer wishes to date. I mean, in a nutshell, that's what it is. This is done in hopes that the ghostee will just get the hint and leave the ghoster alone, as opposed to simply telling them he or she is no longer interested. Many attempt to justify ghosting as a way to cease dating the ghostee without hurting their feelings, but it in fact proves the ghoster is thinking more of themselves, as ghosting often creates more confusion for the ghostee than if the person kindly stated how he or she feels. When did we lose the ability to communicate effectively? And did you ever really know how to communicate effectively? And how is it that a person can share his or her sexual proclivities in their body with a stranger that they've known for all of five minutes without giving it a second thought, but the discomfort of telling someone that you're no longer interested in them after weeks or months of merging a connection, be it weak or strong, overshadows your logic to be a decent human being by sharing your disinterest. Instead, you'd rather be dishonest. Telling someone that you're not into them should be just as easy as telling them that you are. I am going to say that again. Telling someone that you're not into them should be just as easy as telling them that you are. Should I say it again? I think I, I think I need to say it again. Yeah, I'm gonna say it again for the deaf, dumb bitches in the back. Telling someone that you're not into them should be just as easy as telling them that you are. There is no morality in ghosting, and it shows a lack of character, strength, and communication skills. It's the behavior of a narcissist and breeds air into the life of skepticism and fear when a person attempts to date again. The ghosted ends up moving onward into new relationships, having killed the part of them that digested toxic energy used to lay the foundation of demise only to be haunted by the ghost of their former selves. We're not all going to like each other and the timing might be bad when we meet and that's okay. But it's not okay to arbitrarily act in the interest of one without dialogue and inclusion. To all the guys who have ghosted me, if the sound of my voice here ever touches your ears, I've forgiven you.
But can you ever really forgive if you can't forget? Yes, I can. And I have because you'll continue to be less than and I'll continue to be great. Maybe the past is like an anchor holding us back. Maybe you have to let go of who you were to become who you will be. To me, the inability to land something solid with a stand-up guy within the past seven plus years that I've lived here says a lot. Between the judgment, the ghosting, the racism, and the unnecessary friction, I paid it. Even if I were to conquer the aforementioned, there's still the task of tackling the obstacles of interest, compatibility, geography, and emotional availability. I'm exhausted just thinking about it. At this point, it's above me because... I'm unsure of any other way to achieve something that could presumably be so simple. In love relationships, there is a fine line between pleasure and pain. In fact, it's a common belief that a relationship without pain is a relationship not worth having. To some, pain implies growth. But how do we know when the growing pains stop and the pain pains take over? Are we masochists or optimists if we continue to walk that fine line? When it comes to relationships, How do you know when enough is enough? I've become so conditioned in believing fuckboys outnumber the good guys that when a prince finally comes along, all I see is a frog. And I know I'm not the only one with this condition. After being hurt so many times, we've become immune to feeling numb to the point to where we run away and shut down when we cross paths with a person with good intent that actually compliments our best interest. We don't know what to do, how to feel, or why it's happening. We look for signs that foreshadow the end, convince ourselves that it's too good to be true. Truth is, it feels safer to fill our head with the artificial narrative that most guys are cheaters and monogamy is a thing of the past. But by believing so also perpetuates and excuses infidelity by allowing others to be unfaithful to you. People can only do what you allow them to. It's important to know your worth and respect yourself enough to know that you shouldn't come second to anyone who you've deemed your one and only. But the most exciting, challenging, and significant relationship of all is the one you have with yourself. We're moving into 2022, and it feels like the sanctity of marriage is irrelevant and devalued. Monogamous relationships are archaic. People develop more love for their selfies than for other human beings, and the only connection capable of being made is through Instagram and Snapchat. And with that, they create posts that showcases ignorant and outlandish behavior. Like them, share them, recreate them, repeat. Searching for likes in all the wrong places. This is the irony of a flash. That's exactly how long it took for Instagram to go from a cool way to capture moments to a toxic place for the misguided to seek validity. A flash. This is particularly prevalent in Los Angeles. We compare ourselves amongst ourselves. I was measuring and comparing myself to a standard that isn't reality. But then I realized how much sense does it make for us to try and fit into a standard when we were each individually created to be a standard? If we were all made differently on purpose, we should dismiss what we've been conditioned to envy or become. There's this flamboyant social doctrine that manipulates us into believing that we're less than if we don't have the perfect X, Y, and Z that's advertised in magazines, plastered on billboards, or worshipped on social media. This can compromise the mental security of a person, regardless of how strong we think we are. Instead, if you don't like what you see when you look in the mirror, reach inside yourself and turn that self-deprecation into appreciation. 
Easier said than done, I know. Everything you are and everything I am, they're intentional, and that's what makes us perfect in our own right. Living as a gay minority in Los Angeles isn't easy and probably also influences my deserted dating and sex life. (laughs) I can't believe I'm being so transparent, but... I live for transparency. All right, racism has become... Racism. Racism... (sighs) Racism has become an extension of personality and it's blatantly underscored within the gay community. West Hollywood, or WeHo as the gays have coined it here, is deemed the congregational area for gays to meet, party, eat, and play. The majority of its patrons are white American and Latino. Blacks are sprinkled throughout, but we're mostly in the background, unrecognized and overlooked. It's almost like we're understood to be a side effect of what happens when integration goes bad. There's no space for Blacks in WeHo, and we all know it. Creating one takes the kind of covert infiltration executed by the KGB. Knock, knock. Who's there? KGB. KGB. Viva! Ask the question. What the hell was that? I was summoned by a friend one Sunday to bar hop in West Hollywood. Although I literally despised its scene, I reluctantly agreed. The Abbey. That's where we went. One of its more familial spots was our first stop. The only conversations we held that weren't with each other was with the security at the door when he asked for our IDs. The bartenders aren't any friendlier or accommodating. You approach a person who happens to be non-Black, you get greeted with contention and disregard. And this is more of a recurrence than it is an isolated issue, which is why I decided long ago to disengage myself from this particular area that makes me feel unwelcome and uncomfortable. I'm in a racial of one to white privilege by the thousands. So there's not much I can do to effectively contribute to change, except for keeping my foot on the necks of the WeHo gays via the Gated Community Podcast. Now streaming on all platforms. This episode is not sponsored by West Hollywood. So for all my listeners in the UK, I know that we're still inside of a pandemic. COVID is still upon us. If ever you decide to... Cross the pond, stay away from West Hollywood. It could be a bit shady. It could be a bit dodgy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah? A little bit of racism, a little bit of racist. So come to Hollywood. Just don't go to West Hollywood. Hey, that was pretty impressive. Lastly, listen, respect people where they are when you meet them. This is also very important. Give a person the opportunity to be who they are and you won't have to be lied to. You won't have to be fooled. You won't have to be betrayed if you allow people to be who they are. I say that to say that we all have mental health matters at some capacity. Also, dating a person who's apprehensive about committing to you doesn't make them indecorous. Remember, it's not always about you. They can see the best parts of you, develop feelings for you, and want romantic involvement, and still not commit to you because there's something about them that they haven't discovered, possibly, that won't allow them to join you in matrimony. Note, you can have a commitment without the relationship status, but in order to be in a relationship, there must be a commitment. Don't let these gaslighters fool you. Stay woke.
reconstructing yourself to become the idea and gain the attention of someone you're interested in will end with you in love, them in disgust, you telling them that I'm only this way because I thought this was the person you wanted me to be. And them responding with I didn't ask you to do that. Goodbye. It's all Scooby-Doo until the mask comes off. Dating can be so confusing. How much is too much? When is too soon? How do you submit without expectation? Why do I feel like I don't want to feel like what he wants me to feel? Do we need distance to get close? And what happens if he begins to digress when I begin to invest? I'm not a gambler, but I also feel like if you don't play, you'll just watch others score. The convolution of it all. The moral here is be as considerate as you'd want a guy or girl to be with you if you're the one with invested feelings summoning their emotional investment. Also, if you don't want the lead, don't audition. I'm going to close out with this. For those listening to this, thinking I may be bitter or upset, I am. But it's not because my dating life in L.A. doesn't mimic my dating life in Atlanta. It's because so many people who live here in Los Angeles can't see the forest for the trees. It's hard for you to see the problem when you are the problem. And because they don't see it, I'm the one who feels the problem. So while I may be collateral damage, I'm using the space that I'm in to cast light on the things and people that need change. Please understand, I'm not the only one complaining. Consider me the foreman of a grand jury speaking on behalf of my peers, advocating for... Social equality, inclusion, mental health, and companionship. As for me personally, I still have hope. Is hope a drug we need to go off of? Or is it keeping us alive? What's the harm in believing? I still believe in hopeless romanticism and love conquering in order to prevail. Like I know there have been a lot of mistakes. We both made them. I apologize for my part in that. And all that, that nonsense in the past... I don't give a shit about that anymore. I never stop thinking about you. I want us to be together again. For, for as long as we can be. As usual, your timing couldn't be worse. You always want what you want when you want it. Why is everything so urgent with you? Let me tell you something. This here... Right now, at this very moment, is all that matters to me. I love you. That's urgent like a motherfucker. How do we do this? I don't know. I live in New York. I don't care. So, what's the first step? We can start by getting out of this rain. Ooh, yes. <laughs> but until that happens for me again, my storyline will likely be boy meets boy, boy loses boy, because smart boy knows his worth. And I'm okay with that. It's called a gated community. I'm in a gated community. All the gays are locked. We live in a gated community. African people are not pro-homosexual. Who is having that conversation?